Yo, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your host, Anime Nerd. And today, I want to go ahead and do my weekly anime review of Promise Neverland. And you already know My Hero Academia. So first off, we're going to start off with is My Hero Academia. But before, of course, I get into all that and get into this whole entire topic, I just want to say thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. It's been a year now since Anime Nerd has officially been up and running. And it's been a really great year at that. And I'm looking forward to doing many, many more years and looking forward to watch this channel grow and become a household name. And I, of course, I couldn't have done it without you guys, the fans, who really been there since day one and stick with me through my good days and my bad days. And, you know, with you guys' support and feedback, I was able to try to make this channel a lot better and make it grow into something that I wanted to become. Now, some things that to look forward to next year is my goal is to definitely, definitely, definitely get interviews with anime people who like anime voice actors or stuff like that. That's my goal. I really want to see, you know, get be able to get a hold of some of these English dub voice actors that are able to, that are not able, but who does the voice for some of our favorite characters in English dub. I think it would be pretty cool to even eventually get them on my podcast and be able to tell, have them explain to me what they like about doing it, what's their favorite type of podcast and what to look for in the near future from them. Also, as I work on my Japanese, I want to eventually become fluent enough where I can have a podcast with the original creator of some of these series or even some of these voice actors in Japanese and then translate it to you guys in English so that you guys will be able to understand and enjoy it. Pretty much just be on the lookout for some stuff I plan to make for the season two of Anime Nerd. I'm going to call it season two since this is my second year now. Season two for Anime Nerd is going to be a lot more different openings and stuff like that, which is in the works right now. I plan to have my own beat coming in and everything, ending and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely just be on the lookout. But like I said, from the bottom of my heart, I'm thankful for you guys allowing me to be able to take some of your time and talk about anime, manga, and video games. So appreciate to you guys, and I'm looking forward to start off season two the correct way. So, yeah. Anyway, before we start, go ahead and grab some snacks or whatever you got to do. Sit the baby down, walk the dog, and, you know, pause the movie because, you know, anime nerd. It's about to start soon. All right. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to go ahead into it. So the first manga that I want to talk about is My Hero Academia, Chapter 208, The Result of the Fourth Round or Fourth Round Concluded. Depending on where you're reading this manga at, they all have different titles. But pretty much for the most part, it is the conclusion of the fourth round. So in the series... I know Team 1A versus 1B, the class had decided to do a joint training session to see how much and how further these kids had grown for the most part. And me personally, I am enjoying this this part of this arc, but at the same time, i also kind of ready for it to wrap up because I want to know what's going on with it. But I don't know if it's going to wrap up anytime soon because I think we got one more team to go through. Who knows? But anyway, so the teams that are facing off each other, 
you got Bakugo, you got Kiyoya, you got uh, Soto, who's his Sugar Rush, and you got uh, Jiro. And they're facing Team 1B, whose Team 1B is Asue. Asue, he's that dude with like kind of like construction, kind of like martial artist. I think I like his character design. Then you got Setsuna, who's the lizard tail splitter. That's her quirk. Then you also got Tegoru, who's the sharp edge. And I'm missing one more. And for the life of me, I can't seem to remember which one it was. But it'll probably come to me as I go on more into it. But anyway, so in the chapter, it, it left off where Bakugo, if you guys remember from 207, Bakugo kind of protect Jiro. Um, from getting attacked from Tagoru because Tagoru was about to attack, but Bakugo kind of jumped in the way and set off a loud explosion. So this is where Chapter 208 kind of kicks into play. In Chapter 208, um, he comes in for the most part and protect her. And then, you know, Tagoru was kind of like shocked that it even happened. And then, so Sessino was like, Tagoru, um, what are they, the heck are you doing? And pretty much everybody was kind of surprised in 1A and 1B that, you know, Bakugo actually went out his way and tried to save somebody. And the one guy who seemed to always have a grudge with 1A, uh, Monoma, was like, oh, do my eyes deceive me? Um, it seemed like he was kind of protect, protecting his own teammate. And then, you know, everybody from Genki, and Irujiro from class one, one A was telling him, "Oh, your eyes ain't deceive you." He actually did that. So he, uh, Monoma was like, "What are you trying to say?" He changed, and in a way, even though he's still like, I'm just going to burn off for a little bit, bear off for a little bit. But even though Bakugo is changing right in front, and it it doesn't really seem like it, but he is. Because before in the series, he was all about himself and not worrying about anybody else. In this chapter, you start seeing him kind of be his own leader, but with like a roughness towards it. It's kind of like, kind of remind me of a Vegeta type. You know how Vegeta is rough and where Goku is like carefree and easygoing? Vegeta have his own way of showing his way of caring for his teammate by yelling at him and trying to tell him to do this, this, and this, this. Even though it don't, he don't mean to be that way, that's just the type of person he is, it still shows that, you know, he's willing to do it. Like, for, for instance, um, before we get back into the topic, think about it in Dragon Ball Z. Vegeta showed that he cared for his son by, you know, knocking him out and telling Piccolo to move him before he sacrificed himself in Majin Buu. Not saying that Bakugo is doing the same thing here, but he's definitely doing, like, rough, tough, love in a way it's not really loving because he don't really love him i don't think he loved anybody that much but he's trying to show that he cares in a way so anyway um he pretty much so bakugo told his teammate i already decided that no matter what this is going to be a perfect victory we're going to win this 4-0 with no injury a victory only fit for the strongest so pretty much he is technically bakugo is number one and it makes sense that he want to show and prove everybody that he's number one, that he's willing to lead a team to win. So pretty much Team 1A 
is on the attack and one B is falling back. But part of one B plan was that Bakugo was gonna they already accounted for that Bakugo was gonna go ahead and go after, you know, them pretty much head on by himself and everything like that. So they were they took it and plan that he was coming. But you know, Jiro was using her ability, was trying to figure out where everybody's at. Um and was trying to say that it's kind of hard to try to figure out where they're at because there's seen like a million of them, but there is starting to be a less few of them. Because if you guys remember, Sesame ability, Lizard Tail Splitter is pretty much, she could split herself into different pieces, which I guess she can use to communicate with her team where no matter where they're at on the field, which that's a unique ability to have, I'm not going to lie. So, but it's kind of causing interference on Jiro's ability, who could probably seek out her seek out their enemy a lot quicker, but if there's multiple enemy or like, like for instance, setting the ability, it will become a lot tougher for her to to pick up and trace like that. So pretty much um, she couldn't do that. And then, you know, Bakugo being the type of person, it's time I don't estimate me, let's do this, and pretty much went on the offense attack. So even though he was on his way to attacking um, trying to hunt down 1B. One of uh, Class 1B student, Asui, Asui, I can never say that, but he's like that martial art ninja kind of looking dude. And pretty much Asui came out of the blue and his quirk, if you guys remember, his quirk is, what was his quirk? I had it earlier, wheel. So pretty much he can wield stuff and use it to kind of like, um, somebody down so he came out of the blue and he managed to will back into these two pillars and whatnot and before he can even do it um what's the guy with the tape name um shiro would manage to wrap him up and everything and then sugar rush aka shoto came and broke back go free from it but then oh well shit yeah, let me backtrack, sorry. So, Sugar Rush broke back and go free, and Asuka was already on his way towards, you know, trying to regroup with his friends and everything. But then, back and go were like, you idiots can't hold me back. Why is he? And then, you know, so, everybody, not if you don't really know back and go, you don't understand why he's truly pissed. Come to think about it, I don't even think I know why he's truly pissed. But anyway, Asuka, or Asui, however you say his name, was like, yeah, why are you so pissed? You know, I'm going to encase your face in the steel instead. So he was trying to go for the attack. But then King Jiro, using her ability, which is a special ability, heartbeats around. So maybe she used her headphones connected to these, like, amplifier and made a loud noise and whatnot, which I got to admit, that's probably a cool ability. I can't wait for that to be translated to the anime. For the most part, because we already know this is probably going to go all the way up to season five or six of My Hero Academia because it's such a great show in manga. But anyway, so she used that ability and everything like that. And that's how then finally, 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 that's where it got captured. And next, so then they start moving on to the next person, which, oh... That's the next guy. It's the guy with the glue ability. And you guys remember how I was trying to figure out who I was missing? 
if you guys remember the guy with the glue, he, he has this rare ability of pretty much like kind of gluing everything together. I can't remember his name, but I'm just going to call him glue guy. And so pretty much now that they got every, um, so they started moving towards, towards, you know, capturing the rest of everybody else. And the guy with the glue was trying to say like, oh, you know, trying to escape, but they also captured him as well. And then, so team 1B already started thinking, wow, this teamwork, why is it so perfect uh, that we um, use the target their weak point and break their formation? You know, like, cause she, so Cessna was trying to figure out why pretty much Bakugo teamwork is able to be flawless without not like finding one set of weak points towards it. Um, so, her name is so always so hard. Ocho or Yu Yuraka say um, Jira and their others trust, you know, Bakugo to take the lead and pretty much all due to the thanks to the whole shenanigan that's been going on. Then that's why they were able to work together. So as they fight and continue, Bakugo managed to take out to Guru and then eventually Bakugo came up with a smart idea and able to get Setsuna. They tap a stun gun on her pretty much. So when she was regrouping again, Bakugo was able to use stun gun and managed to knock her out. And then everybody was like, you changed too much. Well, you changed too much. And Bakugo said, I haven't changed at all. I still have the same goal since the beginning. I'm going to surpass all might and be the number one hero. And in the end of the series, that's pretty much what was it. Uh, well, not series, but at the end of this chapter, it ends like that. Class One A managed to finally get pull off a win, which I kind of figured they do, and everything. So I'm not surprised by that. That you know they won because it. it I, I didn't see Class One B giving them a clean sweep like that. So this next one, I think it's Midoriya's turn. I don't know. He's been on the back burner for these last couple of chapters. And it's time for my boy to finally come up and show me what he do. Not unless I can, not unless he did it already. But I don't think I've seen him yet. But it doesn't even matter. Anyway, so that's it for this chapter. You guys tell me what you guys think of this chapter, what you guys predict. And be prepared because right after this will be the Promised Neverland chapter. So go ahead and take a break real quick and we'll continue back after these messages. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and wrap up this series, or not series, but this podcast of, of course, one of my favorite uh, uh, manga, which is Promise Neverland, chapter 114, One Thing at a Time. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this this whole series has been to nothing but excellence, okay? I admit, I cannot wait for this anime to come out, which is only a month away, which I just realized as I'm talking to you guys that this show is about to be coming out on anime, or this manga is supposed to be coming out in anime a month. And if you guys like me, who consider yourself day one, because I think I started watching it fairly when it only had like five chapters in it. I consider myself day one. I may, I may, I mean, maybe I'm not, but hey. I technically consider myself day one. 
And if you guys are like me, then you already know that this I can see I can easily see in this anime at least getting two seasons, two or three, because it right now it's at 114 chapters. I think they could cover that in the span of an anime, probably. You want to give or take, we can say about two or three seasons, they can finish up this series if they really want to. Because even the author said that the series is almost done. There's a couple things that I have in my head that I wanted to know. Um, like a couple things, but I'll speak about it near the end if I remember <laughs> of what I have in my head about this series. But anyway, so chapter 114, last chapter, we kind of get a glimpse of who. William McNerva is, if per se that guy is the real William McNerva, not unless William McNerva is like a, a a name that you get as you dress, but I highly doubt it now that I thought about it. But anyway, so going on to it. So in the last chapter, it um it talked about Emma and her group going to go to the Jaws of Lion, which is supposed to be a 10-day trip for the crew to get there if they go at a certain pace and whatnot. So this is what the chapter opened up. They opened up as in them discussing that it's going to be a 10-day trip and pretty much was just letting them know that they're about to head on out to this adventure. So the trip begins, or the chapter begins with um, William McNerva said, I am William McNerva, head to the following point, go to the Java line. And you see Emma and the crew all huddling around looking at the map and trying to figure out what the John Lion is. And once they found it out, they were like, okay, I believe it will take, Ray mentioned it, it will take about 10 days. Ray or Emma? Look like Ray mentioned it was going to take 10 days for uh, to get there. So Emma kind of was like, you go, Lucas, everybody, everybody who else who died, we're heading out. And so, so they started moving out. It's been day number three. And as the kids are on their way, they notice that the kids and everybody else is looking kind of tired, and which it kind of makes sense, they say, because um, they're moving fast and, the, you know, the younger kids are younger, so they kind of get tired and cranky quicker. And they're not traveling in groups of six anymore, but they're traveling all 55. So there's 55 of them left and everything. And then with such a large group, which they mentioned in the manga, that they will lose some of their agility and the small children um, don't even have that rhythm. So uh, the rhythm that they're going is a little too rough for them, which it, which it makes sense because their body's still developing and everything. Um, so it got to the point where, uh, as it goes, Emma was noticing that, you know, with all that gathering food, the stress is affecting them and everything. And, not, and then Ray also mentioned that not only that the stress is affecting them, that, you know, they have to worry about humans, demons, so they have to stay alert for both. And on top of that, cameras, like cameras that are hidden in, like, animals or creatures. So they have to do all this. So that's a lot, if you think about it, that they have to go through. You have to worry about humans trying to kill you, demons trying to eat you, cameras trying to pick you up, figure you out. It's, it's tough. It's tough. And then they have to reach in a place of 10 days which that's a long time to travel. That's that's a long time, man. It's over a week, of course. You're pretty much pushing two weeks for the most part. So so it's like a week and a half travel right there and then. 
And so they're over there. You can see the exhaustion on their face and kind of like how everybody's on the edge every time they hear something rattling and so on this chapter. And then on, on top of that, they have to worry about food. So remember, they're coming from a shelter where they have food, water, pretty much everything that they need to survive. And then if occasionally if they need to go out and hunt, they have a little group that they use to go out and hunt. And that group will get the food that they need and then come back and everything will be okay. Not having to worry about anything for the most part. So the group eventually stopped um, and they started looking for food. A couple of the little kids decided they wanted to help Emma and them search for food. So while Emma and them looked for food, Emma was like, um, I'm sure this one is edible, kind of like picking up some mushroom. And Emma was kind of reacting when she saw the little kids picking up um, the poison mushroom. But the boy, uh, one of the little kids was like, pretty much, but you can eat it if you take out the poison with the herbs. So these kids are pretty knowledgeable on what to do and everything like that for the most part. So clearly they can obviously pull their own weight, which is pretty good for kids their age. So as they go um, on, they keep looking. Emma realized, or well, not Emma, but one of the girls asked, one of the little girls said, uh, what is she doing, named Yvette. And Yvette was saying she's looking for princess. And then all of a sudden, Emma and them here, they're this way. And then what? Then one of the boys started like, hurry up, sound like monkeys. And then, of course, they say, oh, if it's monkeys, we can eat monkeys. And pretty much monkeys eat almost anything that humans do. So wherever there's monkeys, obviously there must be food. Which they got to it, and there was the monkeys and the food. And everything like that. And one of the little kids asks, oh, thanks, please, excuse me. Can we get some of your food? Which is, you know, little kids, they're harmless. They're going to talk to these animals as if they understand them. But apparently they did and was managed to get some food. Emma and one of the boys was pretty much shocked that they, had, that they were surprised. And the little kids were happy because they managed to help out and said they can make a nice pot of soup. All they needed to do was just add some fishes and the nutrients and all be good. And so, and one of the little kids, I don't know these kids because they haven't given them names, but they were like, I guess we're more skilled in finding supplies and the whole group. So, you know, and it was mentioned that they learned a lot, uh, a lot of things in two years, thanks to Lucas and um, Hugo, which they, in this chapter, kind of flashback seeing Hugo and Lucas teaching them how to do certain things. And the effect of Lucas and Hugo really came really does have an effect on these kids because they even though they were adults and it might have not seemed like they played a vital role in the manga in the manga they definitely did because you can see these kids learning how to do certain things and fend for themselves um and everything like that so you pretty much see them doing doing the things that they got to do to get the basic content they're able to survive and the kids even like, oh, yeah, we all learn from you and Lucas and everything like that. So they were pretty much telling Emma that she can rest and know that they pretty much got her back if anything happened and that they're growing just as well as they are. So eventually the kids make it back to the group with the food and everything like that. And they started eating, you know. So then a couple of days went by and they're on their eight days. And Ray mentioned that it doesn't look like they'll make it in 10 days. Emma agreed with them. 
for the most part. But Emma was happy that everybody's alive. But then she also told Ray that she's worried sick pretty much because she worried about how she worried sick about because they haven't run into any, you know, demons or anything like that, that, you know, they lost the shelter, the support, Yugos and the other all had died pretty much. And then Phil, since Phil kind of met Andrew and Andrew talked to Phil about Emma and all them, she wanted to know if he's safe and everything like that. And so on and so forth, which is natural. I can understand why she was feeling like that. Um, she like, so she pretty much kind of had her mindset and everything like that for the most part. Ray and Emma then heard the noise and started rushing back. Um, and then they were saying that this feeling feel like demons, there are demons around. And before the chapter ends, there's two, two guys, or two girl, well, two guys, maybe a girl and a guy, I don't know. All you see them is surrounded by four big, huge demons, and they're all surrounded, and Ray kind of shocked to see humans or people. So it's going to be pretty interesting, and that's how the chapter ends, but it's going to be pretty interesting far as, you know, how they might interact and with these two people. Will they be kind of standoffish, or will they be open arm? I feel like they're going to might be in a little mo- both. They're going to be, like, kind of open but kind of standoffish due to their past experience with other humans, which I myself understand why they would do that. So I won't blame them on that one. So for the most part, it'll be all good if they do. But one thing that I want to know is when is Ray and Emma going to meet up with Norman? Because Norman, as we all know, is still alive. But, you know, obviously Ray and Emma don't know that. And I want to see, like, what is Norman doing? What is he up to? So just expect in my prediction that maybe in two or three chapters, we'll figure out what Norman been up to during the last time that we saw him. So just be on the lookout for that anyway. But anyway, that's it for my podcast. I hope you guys enjoy as well. Please, please subscribe to the podcast from wherever you're listening to for weekly updates of anime reviews, manga reviews, and even anime news and other content, and maybe even my morning rants that will start back soon again. Anyway, thank you. Love you guys, and talk to you guys later. Bye.